goodness and mercy, we thank you for your word that as we study it, it brings great encouragement to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, greet a couple of people and then you can be seated. Okay, now let's get into the Word of God. All right, let's go to Hebrews 9.22, Hebrews 9.22, and remember this evening, if you can make it, at 6 o'clock I'm teaching on uh, faith and prayer and healing and and so if you can make it tonight at 6 o'clock, that would be, that would be good. Um, Hebrews 9.22 says, According to the law, almost all things are purified with blood, and without shedding of blood there is no remission, or there is no forgiveness. And so uh, we're going to be receiving communion at the end of the service today, so we're going to talk today about the power of Jesus' blood this is something that we need to always be mindful of, that there's power in the blood of Jesus. Now, if you go to Exodus, the 12th chapter, Exodus, the 12th chapter, um, in the Old Testament, there was a, a type, and God used many types in the Old Testament to teach us things and be examples for us. And uh, you, you find in Exodus, the 12th chapter, of course, the death angel was going to pass through the land and the firstborn were going to die. And uh, so the judgment of God, that was the judgment of God. It was going to come upon the, the land. And God told Moses to take the blood of an animal and apply it to the doorposts of the house, you know. In the form, actually it was in the form of a cross. Uh, Jesus died on a cross, didn't he? Shed his blood on a cross. So there was an, it was a type, it was an example in the Old Testament and notice here in Exodus 12:13, Exodus 12 verse 13, now the blood, talking the blood of an animal in this case, shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, notice God speaking here, when I see the blood, I will what? I will pass over you. That was the judgment of God would pass over any person that was in that house that had the blood applied to the doorposts, you see. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So you see, the blood here caused God's judgment to pass over. It's interesting, this was the blood of an animal, which was a type of the blood of Jesus, you know. But, uh, of course, you know the blood of Jesus is more powerful than the blood of an animal. Is that right? Yeah. Amen. I said the blood of Jesus is more powerful than the blood of an animal. Notice, if you would, in Hebrews, the 10th chapter and the 4th verse. Now, the blood of animals could accomplish some things. We see that in the Old Testament. But if you look at Hebrews 10, verse 4, it says this. It says, it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. It's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. You see, in the Old Testament, 
the blood of the animals could accomplish some things. Uh, the blood of the animals, essentially what it did is it covered the people's sins. In the eyes of God, it covered the people's sins, but it was for just a season of time, you know, or for a, on a yearly basis or, or whatever. And the blood of the animals would cover the people's sins. But like I've said so many times, if something is covered, it can be what? It can be uncovered, you see. And really, if you go back into the Garden of Eden, remember when Adam and Eve, remember when man sinned there in the garden, you know, what did, uh, what did they do? They made coats, fig leaves or whatever to cover themselves. Remember that? But then God brought them what? Does anybody know what God brought them? Skins. And so that would, would imply that God had to get those skins of the animals somewhere. So there were some animals that God had to put to death. Is that right? When he did, there, was, there must have been a shedding of blood, right? And so you see the blood shed there in the, in, in the beginning after man sinned. And that blood was to cover man's sins. And God did that for years and years and years and years until he could get Jesus into the earth. And then Jesus would shed his blood. And his blood could do something and did something that the blood of the animals could never do. The blood of the animals could only cover sin but notice what what did hebrews 10 4 say it says it's not po- it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could what could take away the sin it could cover the sin or the sins of people but it couldn't take it away that's why it had to be dealt with again and again on an ongoing basis the animals needed to be slaughtered and and the blood needed to flow because without the shedding of blood there's no what do we read there's no remission or forgiveness of sin so i'm so glad for the blood of jesus how about you because you see look at revelation chapter 1 verse 5 see the blood of jesus does something that the blood of the animals cannot do the blood of jesus is far more powerful than the blood of bulls and goats and and so on the blood of jesus is just we're talking about the power of his blood his blood is more powerful than the blood of the animals because it can do something that the blood of the animals couldn't do. The blood of the animals could cover but not take away. Notice here in Revelation 1 verse 5, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and what? And what? And washed us from our sins in his own blood. Isn't that wonderful? He washed us from our sins in his own blood. See, the blood of the bulls and goats covered sin, but the blood of Jesus washes sin away. I mean, that's, that's still as exciting to me today as it was all those years ago when I first learned this. You say, well, how far does it wash it? Well, look at Psalms 103, verse 12. Psalm 103, verse 12. Psalm 103, verse 12. Let's see how far... The blood of Jesus washes our sins. Notice this. Psalms 103 verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. And of course, you know, I've I've said this many times, but in case you've never heard me say it, the reason it uses east and west is this, is that east and west never meet. 
See, if you go north, eventually there'll be a point where north and south meet. And you'll be go- if you go north long enough, eventually you'll start going south. If you go south long enough, eventually you'll start going north. But if you go east, you never catch up with west. Or if you go west, you never catch up with east. What he's saying here is that he's moved our transgressions, our sins, so far away from us that they'll never be remembered again. Isn't that, is that wonderful? I mean, that's good news. That's, that's really, really good news. Now, just some things about the blood of Jesus. Probably all of you know these things already, but it's good to review. It's always good to review. How many like to review? First Peter 1 Peter 1.18. 1 Peter 1.18. Remember, repetition is the seed of what? Seed of learn, learning or knowledge. Amen? Repetition. Remember the Apostle Peter. He said one, in one place, he said, I hold, you, I hold you in remembrance. I put you in remembrance. You know, one thing that's good about going over these things again and again, because I've been teaching a long time and I've learned this about people and about myself, that if you don't go over things from time to time, you tend to forget them. You understand? So it's good to always be cognizant about the blood of Jesus, how powerful it is. Look at 1 Peter 1.18. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by the tradition of your fathers, but with what? The precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. See, we were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. You see, the word redeem there, it means to purchase. It means to release by paying a price. To release by paying a price. And you see, Adam and Eve in the garden, actually Adam was was the one that God held responsible. He sold us out, didn't he? Didn't Adam sell us out? And and so we needed to be purchased back. And so Jesus came and he shed his wonderful, sinless, precious blood upon the cross. And by shedding his blood there and dying on the cross, you know, he released us from the penalty of sin. He released us from the great debt that we all owed to God that we could never pay. You and I on our best day could never pay what, what, what we owed God as a result of man's sin. Is that right? And so Jesus came, not with corruptible things like silver or gold, but with the precious, his own precious blood, he released us and paid a price that only his blood could pay. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? You think about this, all the money that God has, doesn't the Bible say that the, that, the, that the cattle on a thousand hills are God's? Is that right? How many of you know God has some nice things up there in heaven, doesn't he? There's gates made of pearl, is that right? There's streets of gold and so on. But God couldn't use any of that to buy us back. It took something more precious than that. It took the precious blood of Jesus. Oh, I'm so glad that Jesus came. Aren't you glad he came? He loved us so much. You know, he didn't have to come. He didn't have to. He came voluntarily, didn't he? 
He came for us and he died for us. He shed that precious blood. And it, 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 the, the blood of Jesus is so powerful. It does things that, that the blood of the animals couldn't do. It does things that all the money in the world could never do. It, it redeems us. It purchased us, purchased us back from the powers of darkness. And it released us from that, 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 that awesome, awesome price that we owed God that we could never repay. Isn't that wonderful? Notice here in Hebrews, go to Hebrews the ninth chapter and the 12th verse. We're just talking about the power of Jesus' blood here today. Hebrews 9, 12. Not with, now look at this, not with the blood of goats and calves. Now could the blood of goats and calves do some things? Yeah, they could. But which is more powerful, the blood of goats and calves or the blood of Jesus? Well, that's, a, that's an easy question, isn't it? Don't you wish I was your teacher given the test? That's, that's pretty easy. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. It's talking about Jesus here. With his own blood, he entered the most holy place. See, down here on the earth, the priest would go into this earthly tabernacle. That was built. And it was built. Does anybody remember that the earthly tabernacle was built according to the way the heavenly tabernacle was? Remember that? God gave that to Moses, how the heavenly one looked. And then they built an earthly one down here on the earth. And the priest would go in, you know, on a, on a regular basis and offer the blood of the animals and all of that to cover the people's sins and so on and so forth. But notice here, after Jesus died on the cross, was raised from the dead, notice this. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. Remember, what, it was with his own blood he entered the most holy place once and for all. That was the one up in heaven. Jesus didn't go into the one down here on earth. He went into the one up in heaven. Does anybody remember after he had been raised from the dead? Remember that? Mary saw him and was going to come up and touch him. Remember that? And he said, no, no, don't touch me now. I've not yet ascended. He, he needed to ascend. And, and you know what he was going up there to do? He was going up there to present his blood on the heavenly mercy seat. Amen. And so look, it says right here, he said, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained what? Eternal redemption. Real loud, say eternal. Well, that's better than temporary, isn't it? See, the blood of the bulls and the goats and the animals could only do something temporarily, but Jesus' blood does something eternally. It, it gives us eternal redemption. Once and for all. Notice verse 13. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh. What's verse 13 saying? It's saying that the blood of the animals could do some things. But notice verse 14. How much more? Real out say how much more? Yeah, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your what? Cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. See, the, the blood of Jesus, here's something else that the blood of Jesus uh, does that the blood of the animals couldn't. Is you see, the blood of Jesus 
can, it, it washes sins away as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again. And the blood of Jesus can cleanse your conscience to the point that there's no, there's no remembrance of the sins you've committed anymore. Did you hear that? Did you get that? See, and as you study this out, the blood of the animals, there was still a consciousness of sin. But with the blood of Jesus, when, when, when your sins are washed away, they're gone. It's like they never happened in the first place. And that causes a cleansing effect on your conscience if you really get an understanding of this. Have you ever done something, you've sinned, you've missed it, and you, and you felt really horrible about it, and it bothered your conscience? Anybody besides me? But the good news is, is that if we'll repent of that sin and, and confess that sin to the Lord, you understand, uh, that, that the blood of Jesus washes that sin away, and it's like we never even did it in the first place. And he doesn't remember it anymore. You know why? Because he chooses not to. Isn't that wonderful? This is a good deal, isn't it? So the blood of Jesus is so powerful that it will cleanse your conscience from dead works. Notice uh, along this line of, 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 of it just like it never happened before. Look at Romans 5 verse 8. Romans 5 verse 8. Romans 5 verse 8. Look at this. Romans 5 verse 8. <clears throat> when you get it, say, I've got it. All right. Romans 5 verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that wonderful to know that while we were still sin, sinning and, and practicing sin and in the world, living like a, like a you know, heathen, that, that Jesus, he, God demonstrated his own love toward us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that wonderful? Much more than having now been justified by his, what, his blood, we shall be saved from wrath or from judgment through him. And we saw that, you know, when, they, when the death angel passed over, we, we saw that was a type of when the blood of Jesus is applied to our hearts, you know, then, then the judgment of God passes over us. But I like this word justified. We're justified by his blood. I like the way one person said this one time, justified. The blood of Jesus is so powerful that when we're washed in the blood of Jesus, it's just if I'd never sinned in the first place. Isn't that wonderful? Justified. Don't you like that little, little play on that word? Just if I'd. It's just if I'd never sinned in the first place. That's how powerful his blood is. Don't you like that? Just if I'd never sinned. But actually, that's kind of, you know, kind of playing with the word there. But that word justified, it means to declare righteous. To declare righteous. To declare right standing with God. When a sinner repents of their sins and asks Jesus into their heart, then God, that blood of Jesus washes that sinner and, and, and they get justified. What happens? God declares them righteous. God declares it as though they never even sinned in the first place and they have right standing with God. They become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The Bible says, if anyone be in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things have passed away behold all things that become new and all things are of God and only the blood of Jesus can do that amen glory to God praise God a church needs preaching on the blood of Jesus not sermons of entertainment but preaching on the blood there's power in the blood glory to God amen 
Amen. Glory to God. Colossians 1 verse 20. Let's go there. Colossians 1 verse 20. Notice this. Just a few more verses on this. We could go on all day on this. Colossians 1.20. Notice this. And by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him whether things on earth or things in heaven. Having made what? Made peace through the blood of his cross. That's talking about peace with the heavenly father. Remember when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the angels appeared to the shepherds and and they, they, they talked about what? They talked about, does anybody remember? Peace. Anybody remember? Does anybody remember? Come on, guys. Do we, peace on earth? Goodwill toward men. Peace on earth. That peace he's talking about wasn't peace among men, but he was talking really there that it was peace as a result of what Jesus was going to do through the, his death, burial, and resurrection, that there, that was going to bring a peace between God and man. Because see, when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, there was enmity. We were at odds with God because of sin. But because of the blood of Jesus, he made peace between God and man through what? Through the blood, say, through the blood of his cross. Is that good news that we've got peace with God? But it's because of the blood of Jesus. Praise God. So his blood gives us peace with the heavenly father. You see, the blood of the bulls and the goats could only postpone the judgment of God. It could only postpone the judgment of God. It could only postpone the judgment of God. That's what the blood of the animals did. But the blood of Jesus comes in there, washes the sins away, and now there isn't any judgment for us. Why? Because God judged Jesus, you see. Jesus was our substitute. He stepped in for us. God judged sin in Christ, the Bible says. And Jesus shed that blood. It paid a price that only that blood could pay. It released us from the judgment of God. And now we never have to be judged as sinners. Isn't that wonderful? Now, as Christians, we're going to have to be judged at the judgment seat of Christ, where we get judged for our works, whether they're good or bad. We receive or lose reward and so so on and so forth. But the heaven-hell issue was settled at Calvary through his death and then when he was raised from the dead. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? And, and it brought peace between us and the Father. That's how powerful the blood of Jesus is. It brings us peace with the Heavenly Father. Notice Ephesians 2 verse 13. Look at this. Ephesians 2 verse 13. Just a couple more. Ephesians 2 13. Look at this. It says, but now... you have Ephesians 2 13? But now, when is now? now? It's now. That's another. Boy, you'd really like to have me as a teacher, wouldn't you? Easy question. When is now? Now. Now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by what? By the blood of Christ. We who were once, who were once far off from God, the Father, you know. Now we've been brought near to him by the blood of Christ. That, that, that's just wonderful. 
Here's another scripture along these lines. Hebrews 10.19. Hebrews 10.19. Hebrews 10.19. Hebrews 10.19. Hebrews 10.19. Therefore, brethren, talking to us brethren and sistren, men and women, Christians, having boldness, to enter. Now, where did Jesus enter after he was raised from the dead? He entered the Holy of Holies with his blood. And he gave us access because of that. And because his blood has been shed on the heavenly mercy seat, now you and I can have boldness to enter the holiest by what? By the blood of Jesus. I mean, that's some good news there. We have access to the throne of God. That's how powerful the blood of Jesus is. It gives us access to the throne of God. And not only access, but we can go in with some confidence and boldness. Do you understand that? It doesn't mean we can go in there and hammer our hand before God and say, do this, do that. That's not what that's talking about. It's that we can walk in there with no consciousness of sin whatsoever. Because of the blood of Jesus, we can walk up to the throne of God and, and, and know that we have a right to be there. Glory to God. See, most Christians would probably go in there crawling down on their hands and knees. I'm just so unworthy. I'm just so unworthy. I'm just so unworthy. You know what God tells those people? He says, stand up. Stand up on your feet, because I've made you worthy, and I've washed you in the blood of my Son. Amen? Stand upright. You have a right to be here. Jesus paid for that, you see, with his blood. And so we can stand there as though we've never sinned. Isn't that wonderful? Just if I'd never sinned. At the throne of God. It, it, I mean, that is, that is <laughs> as you get a hold of that, that's powerful. Amen. Glory to God. And then so we've looked at some things here that the blood of Jesus does. Look at Revelation 12:11. Well, wait a minute. Before we go there, let's go to 1 John 1:7. I've got a little time left here. Let's look at this verse here. We've talked about and then we'll we'll conclude there in Revelation 12, but let's go to 1 John 1 and 7. We've talked about you know, sinners coming to to, to Jesus, but I think we need to look at 1 John 1 and 7 about Christians coming to Jesus when they've sinned. How many of you have ever sinned since you've been saved besides me, you know? Okay, so what is the process then? What does this blood do for us as, as Christians who mess up? What's the process? What happens? Look at here 1 John 1 7. But if we walk in the light, isn't his word light? So we could say if we walk in the word or according to the word of God, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, what does it do? His blood cleanses us from all sin. Does all mean all? That's another easy question. All means all. So is there some sin that you could commit that Jesus wouldn't forgive you of? No. There's only, there's only one thing, and that's if you, after you're a mature Christian, that you full well, on purpose, know what you're doing, just curse him and just say you don't want him anymore, and you tell him that his blood is of no effect and that his blood is no more powerful than the, than the blood of the animals and that you don't want him no more. Huh? 
Baby Christians can't commit the unpardonable sin, and neither can adolescent Christians. You can't commit the unpardonable sin by getting mad at the Lord and throwing your Bible against the wall and saying, I don't want to serve you anymore. Because if that were the case, I would be have committed the unpardonable sin. Don't sit there and look at me like that. Haven't you ever got mad at God besides me? We talked about that last Sunday. And then the devil will come in there and say, you committed the unpardonable sin. I'm talking about years ago when I was a baby Christian, God didn't do something what I wanted him to do. Aren't you glad that this covenant is between the Father and the Son? Is that wonderful? You see, that first thing was between God and Adam. Adam messed it up. Now it's between God and Jesus, and it can't be messed up. Is that wonderful? There's only one sin that a person can commit that would cost them. I'm talking about a Christian could commit. See, you can't commit the unpardonable sin when you're, when you're a sinner, when you're lost. Did you hear me? Because when you get saved, that old man is done away with. Did you hear me? Somebody came to me one time and said, Oh, I think I committed the unpardonable sin when I was, when I, before I got saved. I cursed the Holy Ghost. Well, that was the old man. Once you get saved, you're new. That's done away with. The unpardonable sin is when, a, when a, a fully mature Christian, on purpose, full well, knowing what they... Did you get saved by accident? So you can't get unsaved by accident. Is that right? Is that right? The only way you can lose salvation is... And some people will tell you that it's not possible at all. But if you really study the Bible, it is possible, but it's almost impossible. Did you hear me? Because you'd have to be fully mature, and then you'd have to, on purpose, full well, knowing what you're doing, curse Jesus, curse him, and just say, I don't want you anymore, and walk away from him, and never to return, then that person is in trouble. Did you hear me? I've never met anybody that's, that's, that's done that. I sure enough am not going to do that. How about you? Did you know that, that, that when you're a Christian, if you mess up sexually after you get, get saved, you know that's not the unpardonable sin? Now, how many of you know you shouldn't mess up sexually? How many of you know you shouldn't cuss? You shouldn't steal? You shouldn't do those. Is that right? You shouldn't gossip. You should, but those aren't the unpardonable sin. So, when it says here that the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, now we're talking to Christians here, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from what? From, from how much sin? From all of it. Now, does this mean that we as Christians ought to be practicing sin every day? No. Absolutely not. I've said this many times. These verses here we're about to read, if you, if you have this attitude as a Christian, well, I'm going to just, you know, go ahead and sin today, and then I'll just confess everything tonight, and it'll be okay, and then I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to sin tomorrow, and I'll just confess everything tomorrow night before I go to sleep. If you have that attitude, you, I, you know, there's something bad wrong somewhere. Would you agree with me on that? See, I found this, that Christians are looking for ways not to sin, not ways to sin. Did you hear me? Is that right? Did I say that right? Yeah. And, and, and you know, somebody says, well, you know what, Pastor? I, 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 I've been saved a long time and I'm just practicing all this sin and it just doesn't bother me. Listen, if sin, I'm talking to Christians now, if sin, sinning doesn't bother you, 
You need to check up and see if you got saved in the first place. Did you hear me? Because even Christians that have committed sins for years and years and years and have gotten into a lifestyle of where they're, they're, they're doing things they shouldn't do, even after years of doing that, even though the conscience becomes seared and whatnot, but, but still, if you're really saved down on the inside when you do that thing, it still bothers you. Actually, that's a good sign if it's still bothering you. If you can just practice sin and go on and do things and don't bother you, I'm concerned. But look at this. I'm talking to Christians now that as we walk in the light, as he is in the light, verse 7. We have fellowship with one another. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from how much sin? From, say, say all. Yeah, all sin. Now look at this. He's talking to Christians. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. I'll say it again. I'll join John here. Uh, how many's messed up since they've been saved? Did the Apostle John mess up after he got saved? Did all the Apostles mess up somewhere? Did Paul mess up somewhere? Sure he did. Only one that's never messed up is, what's his name? Okay, Jesus. But here's good news, verse 9. If you do mess up, talking to Christians, if we do mess up, if we confess our sins, now this implies with a repentant heart. If you study scripture, when the confession is made, it implies that there's a repentant heart. If we confess our sins, he is what? He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from, from how much? All unrighteousness. Isn't that good news? So as a Christian, if you mess up and you goof up, oh, there's that feeling on the inside, oh, Well, what do you do? I like what one minister said. He said, run to Jesus when you sin. Don't run from him. Run to him with that repentant heart. Confess your sins to him. How many of you know you don't have to run to a priest in a little box? Is that right? You run to to the throne of God. And you run to the throne of God. And you, with a repentant heart, confess that sin and then what does the Bible say? It says that he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And what is that? What does the cleansing? It's the blood of Jesus, isn't it? And you've got to realize you're cleansed to the point that it's just just justified. You never what? Justified, never done to sin. Is that right? And you walk away from the throne of God, and God chooses to forget it, and it's like you never did it in the first place. Isn't that wonderful? Can you see how people can play a game with this, though? Well, if God will forget my sin, then I can commit sin and just go confess it to him, and, 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 and then he'll forget. Don't play that game. That's a dangerous game to play. Because it shows there's something not right on the inside of you. The Bible says we should not practice. Talking to Christians, we should not practice sin. Are you okay? Now look at Revelation 12.11 and then we'll receive communion. Revelation 12.11, notice this. Something else the blood of Jesus does. Revelation 12.11. They, do you have that? If you have it, say I got it. And they overcame him. That's talking about the devil. They overcame him by what? By the blood of the lamb and by the word of their 
testimony. So you see something else the blood of Jesus does. It makes us overcomers. It gives us, it, it gives us power to overcome. It makes us overcome. Amen. And the Bible says they overcame him, who? The devil. By what? By the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. The blood of the lamb there is talking about Jesus. You see that he's the lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. So how do we overcome? By the blood of Jesus and by the word of our testimony. Realize say, I overcome by the blood of Jesus and the word of my testimony. One more time. I overcome by the blood of Jesus and the word of my testimony. Now let's close. Go 1 Corinthians 11. We'll close here. We'll receive communion and then we'll be dismissed. Did you get anything out of this today? It's a good review, isn't it? 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three. For I received from the Lord, this is Paul speaking here, that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Now, we could have preached a whole message on the body of Jesus. We didn't do that today. But his body was broken so that we could know physical healing. And he says, do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Did we talk about the blood of Jesus today? This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he, cl- till he comes. And then verse 27 says, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. That just simply means that these Corinthians would come to church and they would, when they came to church, they were not partaking of the Lord's Supper in a, in a worthy manner. They were, they were, some of them were getting drunk on the wine. Some of them were gulging themselves and gording themselves and, and buttoning in line to get their food or the, to get the bread before others. And it just was, they weren't treating it with respect. How many of you know we ought to treat this, what we're going to receive today, with respect? The bread represents the body of Christ and the juice represents his blood. Okay? The the, the, the bread doesn't become his body. It represents his body. The blood doesn't actually turn into the blood of Jesus. It represents the blood of Jesus. Do you understand that? And much I could say about that. Okay? Now then, verse 28 says, Let a man or a woman, you know, examine themselves and let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For who, who eats, whoever eats or drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. I will say this. It's important that before you partake of this, number one, you need to be born again. That means you need to have made Jesus the Lord of your life. You're Christian. Second thing is, is that before you partake of this, it's important that there's no sins that you know about going on in your life that you're practicing. It's very important. Why is it important? Verse 30. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. That means many die young. So you see, if you partake of this, and there's sins in your life that you're practicing, and you're not willing to repent, the Bible is clear. You can become sick. For this reason, is God making you sick? No, no. what happens is, is you move yourself out from under his umbrella protection. 
And then the devil can attack you. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you and some die young. This is serious what we're about to do. Very serious. So if there's something in your life, talking to Christians, that should not be there. See, if you're not a Christian, don't, don't take of this. Wait till we're done, and then there'll be some men and women standing up here in the front. You come up and say, hey, I'm not a Christian. I need Jesus. And they'll pray with you. They'll get you saved, you know. And then, then they'll serve communion to you. Okay? But this, is, this, this meal here is, is for Christians. But if there's something in your life that's there that shouldn't be there, right at your seat, judge yourself. And then right there, confess your, with a repentant heart, confess your sins to the Lord. And he'll forgive you. And then... Go ahead and partake. Because verse 31 says, if we judge ourselves, we would not be what? We would not be judged. Okay? All right, so the ushers are going to pass out the communion. And then, you know, as it comes by, go ahead and, 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 and take of it. And then, uh, and then we'll receive it. And then we'll go home. Amen. Here, I'm going to need one too. I didn't get one today. That's okay. Very good. Thanks. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Okay. All right. Go ahead and just pass pass these out. And then, oh, praise God. Isn't Jesus wonderful? Once you've gotten your bread and juice, you can stand with me if you would. Amen. Christians judging themselves. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Boy, that's good, isn't it? I'm glad the Lord gave that song to somebody. And they, they, What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? The flow of his blood washes our sins away. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Christians judging themselves right where you're standing or sitting there. Once you've got your communion meal, you know, and the juice and the bread, you can stand if you would. Praise God. How many of you are as excited about serving Jesus today as when you first got saved? I am. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. If we judge ourselves, we'd not be judged. Father, we thank you for what Jesus did for us at Calvary and through his death, burial, and resurrection and that he, his body was broken and his blood was shed. And we thank you for that which re- represents the body of Christ broken for us that we could know physical healing. And we do this, we receive this, this bread in remembrance of what Jesus did for us. And as we partake, we partake by faith. By faith. We partake by faith. And we receive our physical healing in Jesus' name. Now break and eat. And in the same manner, he took the cup. We're so grateful, Heavenly Father, for the blood of Jesus that we've talked about here today. And for its great power. And it's still as powerful today as it ever was. We're grateful for that. We're, we're mindful of that. We remember that. And we're just, just grateful. And as we partake of this, which represents the blood of Jesus, we're just, we just say thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for shedding your blood for us. Thank you. What else can we say? 
But thank you. Now partake. The ushers will be passing around a container to receive the little cups. Hallelujah. And while they're doing that, the Bible says that after they received the supper, they sang a hymn and went their way. So I'm no singer by any means, but I can lead you, I guess, in a little song. And, uh, oh, the blood of Jesus. Uh, Do you all know that one? Let's sing that. Let's sing that. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. It washes white as snow. Let's sing that one more time. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus, it washes white as snow. Okay, greet one another, and you're dismissed. We'll see you next time.